this is Don Bluth, and you're listening to the Animation Addicts Podcast with the Rotoscopers. You're listening to the Animation Addicts Podcast with the Rotoscopers, episode 155, Thumbelina, Coochie Coochie. This episode is brought to you by the patrons. To get your favorite movie nominated, go to rotoscopers.com slash Patreon. Welcome to the Animation Addicts Podcast with the Rotoscopers, Disney, DreamWorks, Pixar, Don Bluth, and everything in between. We are your hosts. My name is Chelsea Robson, and I have the beautiful Morgan Stradling with me. Yes, the fairy princess herself. I got my wings. You guys didn't know it, but... I'm not little. I'm like a giant fairy with giant <laughs> wings. So get ready, guys. I'm going to eat you all. <laughs> She's coming. If this is your very first time ever listening to the Animation Addicts podcast, we are just two friends. We get together bi-weekly and we talk about some of our favorite movies, past and present. And all of them happen to be animated movies. Just happens to be that way. Funny how it works that way, huh? Yeah, right? We're basically here for all of those people who grew up loving animated films, but never really knowing who to talk to about them because um, my friends don't like them and um, they're, yeah. And I still like them and I never grew out of them. And so we are here for you. We are your support group. We are the Rotoscopers. This is, and you're our Rotoscoper too if you like animated films and you're over the age of 12. Welcome. <laughs> this is the Animation Addicts Podcast. <laughs> we are here for you. <laughs> So for our episode today, we are going to be talking about a Don Bluth favorite, maybe classic, cult classic, I don't know, we'll talk about it, <laughs> Thumbelina, and that is brought to you by our patron who got to pick his movie to have us review on the show, which is Thumbelina, and that is Alex Pilgrim. Hey. If you want to learn how you can have your patron pick reviewed on the show, go to rotoscopers.com slash Patreon. A big shout out goes to all the patrons because they really do keep this show running month to month. So thank you guys so much. And we also need to give another shout out to a new patron, Scott Coleman. Welcome to the Fairy Tribe. We are free and independent. We go everywhere and we got to catch a Gucci all the way. We're going to teach you how to jump and to run by La Bamba. Every number come boy in the sale. Monderro, my little castanet. Come on the road. One thing that Scott started many years ago is a little segment we like to call the Nerdy Couch Discussion. Uh, Basically what this is, just picture it with me. You're up into the night with some of your best friends and just some nerdy things come around and you just happen to just talk freely about these with no judgment. Yes, this is what we're talking about. This is called The Nerdy Couch. We don't have this segment every time we do a podcast, but every once in a while we like to throw it in when we have something funny and nerdy to talk about. And this time I was looking up Thumbelina on IMDb. And you know at the very bottom where it gives you like a list of like, you might also like these movies. Yeah. So it had like a group of six and then you push a button and it shows you six more. Uh-huh. And I was going through it. I'm just, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll give you the names of the movies that came up. We had The Swan Princess classic movie a troll in central park pebble and the penguin all dogs go to heaven rock a doodle fern gully american tale uh quest for camelot also 
nice. Secret of Nim, Bartok the Magnificent, Once Upon a Forest, can't forget that one, and Land Before Time. So basically, this is the B and C list. <laughs> yes. Because it's assuming that, hey, if you like this film, you clearly don't like Disney <laughs> because there are better things out there than Thumbelita. So here, this might be more up your alley. Oh my gosh. It is really like the, the B and C of the 80s and 90s. And I was just... At the same time, I was thinking about how, you know, the Avengers on Netflix, they have the Defenders. Uh, basically, they have, like, the the Netflix versions of these continuation shows um, in the Marvel Universe, and they've, like, put them together, and they've created this whole thing. And I was like, how funny would it be if they took, like, all of these B and C list movies, a lot of them being Don Bluth's, just going to say it, and say, let's create basically our super squad of villains or heroes. So my question on the Nerdy Couch today is, of these movies, I want to know your top five villains and top five heroes. If we're going to create a mashup here. Out of this particular list. So let's start with the heroes. Okay. We're going to have... Cornelius. Yes. I will give you my thoughts on him later, but I thought he was quite a swashbuckling fairy prince. We're going to have, I mean, we got to have Odette. Yeah. I think she definitely. Well, Derek. Well, so this is, Mm. this is only males? No, it's anybody, but I, I also think Derek oh, is. Well, it's my list. Okay, good, top go. five. Top, well, I want him. Bo- I want them both. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. Hmm. Okay. So like I said, we're having Cornelius. Okay. We're going to have uh, Odette and Derek because okay. I like them both that much. I do like them both. Then we're gonna have Charlie from All Dogs Go to Heaven, and man, none of these other ones are really <laughs> that great. But let's go. With Littlefoot. Oh, Littlefoot. Those are my heroes, okay? Okay. What are yours? So for my heroes, I'm going to throw in Derek. Um, I mean, I like Odette, but I don't know if she... I don't know. See, I didn't have very many females, which is yeah, typical. Always, typical. You always yeah. have that token female, but... Whatever. Well, I would say... <laughs> Thumbelina definitely <laughs> did not make my list. <laughs> definitely did not. Um, Did I say Bartok? I feel like he should have been on my list. Well, too. what's the girl's name from from Quest for Camelot? Because she definitely makes it. I think. Oh, what is her name? Kaylee. Okay, so Kaylee from Quest for Camelot. She's the one that is going off and following her father's footsteps. Oh yes. And she runs into her friend who's actually blind and is just as good as she is and awesome. But I, I still think Kaylee is my pick there. Um, from Secret of Nim, I'm going to go with Mrs. Brisby because I think she's awesome. She's got the heart stone. Yeah. So kind of like Captain Planet type thing. Mm. Got a nice. Indeed. And then. Krista. I, Krista. From Ferngully. From Ferngully. Yeah, I think I, I think she would be good too. And I, I, mean, I come on, this is your list. Hello, Rockadoodle. We I know, that's have. what I'm, I'm saying. Like, I, I got to go with um, Chanticleer. Nice. Chanticleer nice. is my other. Perfect. This one. is a perfect list for Chelsea. So now let's go with the villains. So looking at this list, we have to have Hexus. Yes. <laughs> Gotta have him. And since Hexus. I didn't really put Bartok on my list, I'm going to put him as a villain, but he's going to be kind of this, you know, this villain that's not really a villain who... Like just, an Iago type? Yeah, he joined up with the villains. So that, that, that could be a cool story that they could tell. Okay. And then you got to have Sharptooth. Yeah. For sure. Then from Swan Princess, you have to have Rothbart. Yeah, I'll go with him. And then lastly, this might come 
you know, out of left field for you, but Drake from the Pebble and the Penguin. Oh, just Drake. because yes. he's pretty pretty bad because his voice by Tim Curry is just the best. It's true. Yeah. So they're my villain list. Okay. So for my top villains, Jenner from Secret of Nim. You know, because yeah. he's got a heart of yeah. He's, gonna, nice. he's out to kill nice. like um, Nicodemus. He does all these crazy things. So Jenner, I would definitely go with him. Um, the devil from All Dogs Go to Heaven. The devil's a good one. Yeah, I mean, you definitely want him on your evil team. Mm-hmm. And then um, mm, Sharp Tooth also. You can't. I mean, he's a giant dinosaur. So uh, I mean, the, Mr. Owl, the owl from Rockadoodle. Eh, I don't know. Where is he at? I think Rothbart as well. We'll throw in Rothbart because he's a good. I agree with that one. And He'd then be your over the top loony guy. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh huh. And who's the who's the villain in Land Before American Tale? I don't think there's a villain. Is there? I don't think there is. I think it's just him, like kind of going just through the journey as the villain. Yeah. yeah. Or the cats. Yeah, cats in general. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm actually going to go with my last one is all the cats from An American Tale. Whoa. All of them. Whoa, all the cats. Nice. <laughs> well, there you have it, guys. I actually like cats. But <laughs> In the show notes, throwdiscoopers.com slash 155. Let us know your supervillain team. We'll include a list of all of these films that were listed so that way you can know and pick from there because it's a very, very small list. So, <laughs> yeah, this is definitely the B and C team. <laughs> Save on meals, Thumbelina. Maybe if you had my heels, Thumbelina. If you stay here forever, we know that we'll never be gone. By gum? Thumbelina. All right, so let's fly right into our main discussion. We are talking about Thumbelina or Thumbelina. <laughs> like, that's really how hmm. it really is. Yeah. Moving on. So some general information about the studio, about the film, whatnot, before we talk about this film. This all comes from Box Office Mojo, IMDb, Wikipedia, and of course the bonus materials where readily available. So studio, Don Bluth Entertainment and Warner Brothers Family Entertainment was the distributor. There was a bit of problem regarding that. That's why this was pushed back. And Don Bluth's studio has so many different names, Mm -hmm. but one of them was going uh, through bankruptcy and that, that basically scared the distributor and eventually Warner Brothers picked him up and came in. But it was, like we were talking about, Don Bluth and Gary Goldman. Release date, March 30th, 1994. This film really only took them about a year and a half to produce. They finished around May 1993, but due to distributor issues, it took a while to get back. It was supposed to be a Thanksgiving 1993 release, which would have put it against The Nightmare Before Christmas, which that was such a hit. Mm. So part of me thinks that potentially they missed a bullet. But then again, maybe not, because it only did $11.3 million in the box office, which was based off a budget of $28 million. Well, you know, it's like, I look at it and it's like, oh, $28 million? That's like super low. That's good. But then you look at the box off and it's like $11.3 million. Also very low for the time. That's bad. <laughs> yeah. This is an all domestic film, so it didn't have anybody to go worldwide. So that's one of the other reasons why mm-hmm. it, it hasn't done so well. You look at some of the current films, like even, for example... 
um, the Emoji Movie, which has made not a lot in domestically, but it has come around and made quite a bit foreign. Mm-hmm. And so it makes up a huge chunk of that. And so that's one of the major reasons why it didn't do so well. Speaking of, it has done very, very well or somewhat well through the VHS and the home media distribution. Mm-hmm. I remember reading it an interview with both of them and they mentioned that it actually had sort of a cult status because of how well it's done. I mean, we always, I feel like you knew somebody who had this on yeah. VHS. Yeah. I didn't, but I loved when I would go to someone house, someone's house and they did because I feel like I had every single Disney movie known to man, but some of these more obscure ones, it was like, Ooh, what is this? <laughs> I want to watch that. And yeah. that's like once upon a forest. That was one of the only movies <laughs> my grandma had. So Yes. Unfortunately, on our list, our game above, that movie had no villains or no heroes picked. No, because it was all, like, people. (laughs) Well, rodents and critters. Yes. (laughs) Morgan said that this could have gone against Nightmare Nightmare Before Christmas, but instead it did go against The Lion King, 1994. Came out later. uh, Which came, yeah, The Page Master. Um... (laughs) Well, I'll give you the top five ranking of the year. So the highest grossing animated films of that year were The Lion King and then had Pompoco from Studio Ghibli. Dragon Ball Z 10, Broly, second coming. Yes. yes sorry. Yes. Doraemon, Nobita's three visionary swordsmen, which honestly I've never heard of. So Just keep going. Just keep going. <laughs> but number five, I had to keep going because I had to get to number five, The Page Master. Ah, which barely... <laughs> did slightly better only two million dollars more more or less yeah so i mean hey not so bad thumbelina it's okay it's okay thumbelina it's okay (laughs) but i had to also remember that this was the year of the distribution of the return of jafar (laughs) oh so the game changer this was a game changer for disney in general well, also interesting that the same year, later this year, Troll in Central Park, which is another Bluth mm. film. And during this time, they basically were putting, I mean, it, it came out in the same year, but they were done with this in 93 and then moved on very quickly to the animation side of Troll in Central Park and then followed by Pebble and the Penguin. So they were kind of busting these somewhat cheap movies out. And I did listen to some interviews um, from Gary Goldman and don bluth about this because i'm like i want to hear what they say and there really wasn't that much available and so i had to kind of do the find search to see if they even mentioned the word thumbelina <laughs> about 90 percent of the interviews it doesn't even get mentioned at all but i did listen to an interview by channel awesome which is doug you may know him from his awesome movie reviews that he does on youtube and he got an interview with them before they were doing their uh, dragon's lair indiegogo campaign and he kind of uh, don bluth slightly mentioned you know kind of the history and he's like yeah you know and i had alluded to this previously um in actually i think in our anastasia rewatch podcast that we did Mm -hmm. saying how when it was just secret of nim it was just them Mm -hmm. you know so they had full creative control and that's why the movie was so good and different and it was dark and then when they had brought steven spielberg on they mentioned that he was a great executive producer because he really only wanted approval like he he liked the concept but he just wanted to prove like the script and the storyboards but then he was totally hands off Mm -hmm. but then as they started moving to these other distributors there were significantly more cooks in the kitchen and people who didn't know how to cook and should not have been there. Yeah. And that is what this early nineties era is. I believe once Amblimation and Spielberg was kind of out, 
they uh, which is very much seen in Thumbelina and all these films it's based on a really really great script you know you have to have a good compelling story yeah and I mean this was based on the Hans Christian Andersen fairy tale but you know you have to convert that to a script which is able to play for a modern audience and whatnot and they said that the, the script writer left or something like that and so he had one week Don Bluth oh no one week to rewrite the script in order to hit deadlines and move things along and he's like I'm not a script writer yeah. and he you know and I think that kind of indicates like what happened with this film is just there were dates there were deadlines there were people with putting their fingers in all sorts of pies and and they wouldn't they would force them to dumb things down or make things simple. And he, they didn't like that because one, if you look back at their older films, they didn't do that. And the films are so good mm-hmm. as a result. And you look at films like this and you're just like, when we were talking about it, like, Oh, Thumbelina, like just high level. When I think of, Oh, I got to watch Thumbelina. It's, internal groan right (laughs) and then i watched it and i was actually somewhat surprised and happy and we'll talk about that but there were definitely things that were definitely groan worthy and you can you can definitely see that and i think and they 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 admit it they said we needed distributors and you know part of get coming fine with financiers is that they have some control because they're paying for it but so kind of unfortunate because they've definitely had these ups and these lows in their career and (laughs) this might be some of the lows. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll go with that. Well, this is definitely not one that you want to approach Don. Say, hey, I want to interview about Thumbelina. <laughs> he internally, I'm sure, says no. Yeah. Please, But it would no. be interesting. I feel like maybe we, since we live here where he lives, we should talk about, you know, we would just do like an interview sequence or series on regarding each individual film and kind that of get cool. like the... the the verbal history of it from him and just you know instead of like just a like one question here here and there that'd be pretty cool if we could do a series like that kind of don't want to bother him currently i know he's at the tail end of the pitch presentation and that's kind of his main thing but hey we're here for you don if you're listening we are here we are (laughs) as everybody knows we're we're big fans of don yes indeed he's a good he's he's in our tagline (laughs) (laughs) exactly so let's talk a little bit about the fairy tale so like i said this is based on hans christian anderson fairy tale called thumbelina or little tiny which is kind of what the translation is and another translator had given her the name thumbelina but she's known as tiny and i actually read the fairy tale and i'll include links in the show notes where you can find this and it's very short you can read it in about 10 to 15 minutes and i was very surprised i've never actually read this one before and how the film is very faithful Mm -hmm. to the story so you know you have this woman who is cannot have or wants a a child and so you know she she's able to have she pays a fairy like 10 coins or something for for this and so they get the little seed that they have to plant it turns into a flower turns into thumbelina and like oh i'm so happy she puts her in a little walnut case for her little bed and then you know off we go uh prince does not come into play at all until the very 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 end but then this toad you know is hopping by and says oh so beautiful i want you to marry my son and kidnaps her so that starts that chain of events and the son uh much different than the film he's just so either taken aback or not very smart not very clear but just says croak 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 you know that's all he ever <laughs> says well the mom talks but not him so i can see that as like (laughs) something that happened back in the day and even today like you get some mothers out there who are like i don't care who you are like yeah i want my son to marry you because i just i'm trying to be playing matchmaker here so they start 
preparing kind of like the wedding the bed chamber for this upcoming wedding oh. as they're like making everything for it so they stick her on this lily pad in the middle of nowhere where she can't swim and she can't escape so she's super bummed she ends up talking to some fish and the fish feel bad for her so they they bite the bottom of the lily pad off and then able she's able to float down the river so you know then later i'm kind of glossing over a lot of these things but she meets so then she meets this beetle, which is called a cockchafer, which is basically a brown beetle found in Europe. And he's taken back by her and her beauty. And so he takes her to his friends and then they start calling her ugly and where's her wing? She's scrawny. And then he realizes, oh, okay. He actually like listens, gives into the peer pressure. He's like, yeah, she's ugly. Okay, never mind. See you later. Um, and then, you know, again, winter's coming and then she meets Mrs. Fieldmouse and, and you know, there, and then there's this Mr. Mole who wants to marry her yada 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 the very end she's able to kind of escape and she sees this flower and it opens up and it's like this crystal boy Mm. you know and she's young it's much younger as depicted maybe she's a maiden but in the picture she looks like she's 10 Mm -hmm. i'm like "Hmm, interesting but again with the times maybe not so out of the ordinary she's a young maiden probably like a a mid-teenager right and then he's he's the the prince and so they get married and then one of the wedding gifts is someone gives her dragonfly wings and they basically sew them onto her and they live happily ever after so th- yeah so that is the story of thumbelina and it's very short you should check it out on clo link but I'm very interested because initially i watched the movie and then i read the film like i'm sitting here and i'm looking at these different pieces and upon initial viewing i'm sitting here thinking what's with the toads can we cut that what's Mm -hmm. with the beetle can we cut that and looking back i'm like oh well you kind of can't right i mean i guess you could because look what they've done with you know other films for example i look at frozen which is based on a hans christian anderson film and totally changed that they totally (laughs) changed it up and it's definitely for the better right but i do appreciate that they did try to be faithful with you know their little don bluth dazzle right to the to the film or to the movie I did appreciate that they tried to be faithful to the story, but just added their little Dom Bluth dazzle. Some things work, some things don't work. Yeah. And I think they could have, like, for example, the Beatle, they could have kept him in there. Maybe just changed. I don't know. I, maybe it was just Gilbert Gottfried that it, like bothered me in his role. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but it was like there were different parts of the characters that I'm like, who are these guys? Uh-huh. It's just like you like go through and you're like, oh, my gosh. I'm not a fan of any of these. <laughs> As I was reading up, there was a quote that, you know, it did not, this this story was not well received. And um, the Danish critic said, the informal chatty style of, well, this wasn't, this wasn't a quote, but it said the informal chatty style of the tales and their lack of morals were considered to be inappropriate in children's literature, <laughs> which I'm like, you look at children's stories now and you're like, is there really a moral summer? Just yeah. like fluff, like ultimate fluff um and i loved that one fairy tale researcher uh peter oh actually these fairy tale researchers iona and peter opie they they basically said you know because a lot of people said this doesn't have a moral like what's the there's nothing really to be learned but it says people are happiest with their own kind which thoughts okay all right. Well, I mean, you can look at that in a lot of different ways. Like most people would look at that and think race. Yeah. One, like one thing. But that's not how I see it. I see it like, OK, I'm looking for people that I feel comfortable with, mm-hmm. that make me feel good, that I feel like I'm on par, if not like 
equal to. Yeah, people are looking for a home. People are looking for a family. Even if they have those, yeah, they want Mm -hmm. a place to belong. And it's just like this podcast, the Rotoscopers or the Animation Addicts podcast. People come and they're drawn to this podcast or other podcasts on a variety of things because it's people like them with interests like them. Right. You know, same thing with religion. A lot of people uh, hang out and socialize with people of their own religion because you have the same beliefs, you have common ground, and it's it just kind of puts you at ease. And and like I'm saying, this is a variety of things. Not saying that you should only be with people. You definitely learn a lot of things yeah. by branching out. You know, my I, I always say that in high school, um, I was part of the honors kids. And so, you know, I hung out with all the honors kids. So that was our like binding. But actually, if you looked at all of us, there was one kid from Germany. There was yeah. one kid from two from the Philippines, one from Japan, one from India, one of Italian descent, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, a few American kids. And it was just kind of this uh, Chinese, uh, one from China. And it was just kind of like friends from around the world. And it was so fun. And so I can, there definitely are both sides of it. And with Sambalina, she was never happy. First off, she was plucked from her home, which we'll talk about a little later, but basically plucked from somewhere where she wasn't necessarily the same as her mother she was small and in the in the story it says that she's about half the size of a thumb very small very small and so you know she's kind of you know had these she's part of a family but not really and then she definitely gets thrown into people who are her same size more or less but totally different Mm -hmm. and eventually she finds which goes to show that it's like like just your outward appearance does not necessarily mean you're going to get along with yes. him. Yes. Yeah, and eventually she finds the prince who crowns her his princess and off you go. So, so let's talk about Thumbelina. You mentioned the voice of the beetle which is Gilbert Gottfried, but the voice of Thumbelina is Jody Benson, who yes. most notably is the voice of Ariel from The Little Mermaid. Ah. And I felt <laughs> I did not love her in this role. I think she felt completely unnecessary other than the fact that they really needed someone who could sing because she is like, they're always like, sing Thumbelina. I know. <laughs> so, but I, at the same time, she didn't feel like a copy of Ariel. No. They were totally she, different characters. She, I, she did a good job of like doing a different voice, uh-huh. a di- different character voice yeah. to not make it Ariel. But at the same time, I could feel that it was her and I just didn't really connect with Thumbelina and really would have wished they would have had somebody else, like someone else from Broadway or, you know, cause I just, I didn't love Jody Benson in this role. Yeah. Not to say you don't love Jody Benson. I love Jody Benson. We Who love Jody Benson. She is a, a legend, a princess. She is a Disney legend. Um, yeah, there's, I believe that most of the, of the voice cast on here was voice was cast mostly just so people could get distribution. Mostly so they could get distribution. Yeah, exactly. It's like, we got to take what Disney had. So they took like, these people who had been really successful in Disney films, and, like, let's bring them in ours. I'm like, you should have just saved your money mm-hmm. and put that in, back in the animation rather than paying for these na- up-and-coming names in animation. Right. And I understand why just be- because of that. Like, distribution, they have lots of things that they look at to see, okay, do I think that I'm going to get my money back on this? Mm-hmm. So... Voice of Ariel must be good. Must be good. So I really like her design. 
I do like her design. You know, I think I, I just always really liked Don Bluth's girls. Yes. Don yeah. Bluth's girls and just designs in general. I just I feel like they're kind of the rounder shapes, mm-hmm. but like they got bigger cheekbones and and that hair. That hair. She <laughs> had some great hair. Although a con, which is the name of the podcast, but there's a lot of rotoscoping going on for the <laughs> whole film. And that's one yeah. way that they were able to definitely cut corners and, you know, keep it under that budget as they do the live action and they use that as reference or straight up just, I felt like sometimes it was straight up just copying Could straight rotoscoping. Um, but that's again, with a low budget, you do yeah. you got to do and you make it work. Yeah. There they did a lot of different things for animation. So for example, um, there's like this camera effect at the very oh, I saw beginning. That. Yes. I'm like, ooh, this is like multiplane, but not. It's with the, s- the computer. Yeah, it's, it's like it's swooping. Like or 1994, which is, you know, pre-Toy Story. So yeah. they don't have, it's not like the computer was like so everywhere. Like, mm-hmm. But I can see that they're you're using it as camera effects and like swoop in. Let's well, see all of Paris. Yes, I'm a bird flying. See what I see. Yeah. Yeah. And then also you... They have different angles that they use a lot. So, for example, there was one moment where I feel like the mom like turns her head and they have like an upward shot of her. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I feel like I've seen that a lot in Don Bluth films. Like <laughs> they have that oh uh-huh. <laughs> type look. Um, and then, but I, but either, but even with all of that thing, but even with all of the similarities, I still really like Don Bluth style. Mm-hmm. Yeah, indeed. But Thumbelina, I think she's an interesting character because she's very innocent and naive. And as a result, she really gets pushed around and taken advantage of Mm -hmm. because she's just kind of grown up in this bubble. And I think it's kind of interesting that they give her this hard walnut shell bed and she comes from a flower bud. And that's kind of a symbol of the protective bubble that she's been in her entire life. So when she's pulled out of that, she really doesn't behave... um, very smartly right you know and she is young at the same time so it's she does get a tougher skin at the end you know where she's like i will not marry the mole or right. what's the point Giacomo? she really kind of gets a little bit downtrodden but for the most part she's very much a gullible little maiden doesn't have a lot of grit no which you know people might say oh that's a horrible female character like mm-hmm. but she's a product of her circumstance mm-hmm. and sometimes there are people that are like that and this is telling the story of someone like that again uh, there's also the ability or there's also i think what people like to do is to take the like where society is today culturally and kind of push that on the past yeah but again this is a film from 25 years ago based on a fairy tale from 200 years ago things were totally different so you know, I'm taking this movie for what it is. And it's just, she's a character who's a product of her circumstance just by her nature. She's very naive and gullible and let's see what happens. Mm -hmm. And it's really sad because she really gets passed around and just as a doll to be married off with whoever, she doesn't have control until the very end, which is really sad because, um, it's it's just that others see her as a woman and say, I can do whatever I want with you. Yeah. You're beautiful. I'm going to kidnap you and you're going to marry my son. And there's there's no, okay, you can have a say in this. Right. So let's talk and maybe let's go on a date. It's like, nope, this is what it is. And I mean, it does show you a lot as far as how, what happens when you don't have that spine. Mm-hmm. If you don't have a spine, then people will take advantage of yes. you. And they will like try and fill in your life. Like, mm-hmm. like 
if you have if you come across as the nice person mm-hmm. more than the person who knows what they're doing and has a plan and is going about their own way people will almost always try and put their plan on you mm-hmm. And that's exactly what's happening with her. And so it's a good thing to like see, like, Mm -hmm. this is what happens. Yeah. Don't be like that. There's definitely, you know, and this kind of bothers me is that she's very, she, you know, gets kidnapped. She's like, no, Cornelius, I want to marry Cornelius. I need to get back home. And she's really determined on that. And then something like flips that on her head. And it's like, oh, you're going to be a star. And she starts dancing and doing all these things. I never even imagined this option. Yeah. And she's like, kind of gets into it. And I'm just like, you are just so easily taken advantage of, you know, where Uh they're able to just like cloud her judgment and kind of put the wool over her eyes. She's like, yeah, I want to be a star. I'm like, do you even know what that is? Am I a star? Yeah. Do they like me? Yes, yes, exactly. And, you know, I mean, she she kind of is like this whiplash where she's like that, where she's really gullible to whatever anyone's telling her. Then on the other side, she comes back around. It's like, no, Cornelius, I got to find you. I need to go home. And then she's back and on stage with the beetle. It's kind of jarring. Yeah. Um, She's just all over the place. Yeah. And you can see that that's what what's happening to her. She's just kind of going along with it. I mm-hmm. guess so. But well, I, so that's a that's a coping mechanism. Yeah, at the same time. it is. Or, and that's like a strategy survival mechanism. Uh huh. Yeah. But I love speaking of marriage. Wow. She just jumps right in with the prince. The prince just appears <laughs> at a quick song and dance and we'll be married in the morning. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And like he's always going in for that kiss. I know. He's a smooth. <laughs> he is a player. Like, hey. I, he met her how many minutes ago? And already he's like, let's do this, hey, baby. we're into the chorus, honey. <laughs> <laughs> That's how fast these things go. Yes. <laughs> so let's talk about Prince Cornelius. Um, yes, he's a player. But I like him a lot. (laughs) I do too. He's just a really appealing character. You can you know he's not, you know, has these ill intentions or he's out to get her like everyone else is. Like he really he really seems very genuine. And also he's attractive. He's courageous and oh so suave. Great with a sword. Mm -hmm. He yeah. I think the he's got his bumble. You know, he's got a nice ride. (laughs) Yes, that is the modern day equivalent of the motorcycle that the parents hate. (laughs) You can't go in the white butterfly. (laughs) But when she comes along, you better believe they're in that white butterfly. (laughs) Oh, that's so funny. But I, I really like Cornelius. I think he's also he he realizes that this is what he wants and he's he's like no this is what we're doing and there are guys and girls that are very much like that they get their heart set on something and they will do everything they can to woo and sweep you off your feet whether it's right or not they just go exactly (laughs) like i have my eyes set on that one Mm -hmm. watching this i was like man you see these relationships all the time Uh yeah all the time and so that's another reason why i didn't really dislike the movie i was just like Man, uh-huh. these are real. <laughs> well, yeah, because we were talking about Thumbelina being very naive. And, of course, like this guy who's her size, probably the first one she's ever seen in her life. Um, he has wings. He sings her this song and dance and sweeps her off her feet. And, of course, she's like, yes, I love you. It just, But luckily for her, he's a good guy. Right. Um, however, in the search for Thumbelina after she goes missing, man, he is always just off stage or one step behind. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting. Be- it makes it kind of strange because he's more or less gone the whole time, um, at least from Thumbelina's point of view. We see him every once in a while. He even gets frozen. But 
And he very heroically fights off the toad and his crew at the very end. Sorry. He very heroically fights off the toad and the mole and that whole gang at the very end. But Thumbelina never sees that. Yeah. He just appears with a sword at the very end like, Thumbelina, I found you. And she's like, yay. <laughs> and I feel like it would have been so much worth so much more to have her see that for yeah. him so that she knew he was actually searching for her because she comes to a point in the film where she's like, he's dead. He died. He's not coming for me. It's like, no, he did. He did. And we never see that exchange between them or at least her viewing that point where it's like a solidification. This is reasons why I I need to like this. Yeah, exactly. Reasons why this guy is good for me. Not like, Oh, hey, you're here too. (laughs) Cool. Well, yeah, I guess we can go on that second date. (laughs) Marriage, right? (laughs) And to me, he's definitely the predecessor of Dimitri. Ooh. Um, Because like he has some of these really good qualities. Like he has g- decent qualities, but he's not fully developed. I feel. Yeah. Uh, but Dimitri really encompasses that all. Which uh, can we talk about his look? Yeah. Some people do not like his clothing and appearance, but his hair is kind of weird. I'll give him that. Was that a '90s thing? I don't know. It's just it's kind of it like a fade in the back, but cut. it's like a bowl cut that's like long on the top, but not a bowl cut because it's got yeah. some pieces to it. It's very interesting. And his outfit, it's like eh, you're a fairy prince, like you got your own style and yeah, custom and right, tights right. and the tunic. <laughs> it all works, okay? <laughs> just go with it. Yes. But How, who am I to judge the fairies exactly. on their culture and their mm-hmm, style? Mm-hmm. You know, and you were like, oh, I just love the way that Don Bluth does his women. I'm like, you got to love those Don Bluth men. It's true, though. <laughs> Man, he's got and he doesn't do a lot of men. Like no, a no, lot no. of his movies are more anthropomorphic. And so you don't get to see a lot of his men. The moment you bring up Dimitri, I'm just like, ah, oh, uh, the best looking. I, all the girls just swoon. <laughs> <laughs> so true. Mm-hmm. we'll have to do like a wizard stool one day about who is the better man not the better man but the hero prince type dimitri or eugene Ooh, because they're both these are these are good. so get ready chelsea get okay. your arguments ready it's gonna okay. happen on both sides okay so we're jumping into the story like we were talking about we're not going to recap you know scene by scene we're just kind of talking high level about certain characters that we liked and there's charo as mrs toad <laughs> most people our age and below are have no idea who Charo is. <laughs> and I do not. Charo was really big in like the 60s and 70s. Basically, she's from Spain uh-huh. and she moved to the US to be in Hollywood, to go to Hollywood. Yes. And she's actually a very accomplished classical guitar player and was very famous in Spain for that, but also wasn't making a lot of money doing it. Mm-hmm. And so she moved to the States wanting to be that wanting to do something and she somehow got a gig where her tagline was coochie coochie (laughs) (laughs) and even in her song on the road with mrs toad she even says that coochie coochie you know Uh and so Charo was really big she always wore these like really voluptuous outfits and had all these fringe on the on like on the skirt and she just was like always doing these little like senorita dance moves and everything so basically what you see as mrs toad is charo but in toad form in toad form (laughs) but she was really big during that those times and she just became like people my parents age all definitely know who she is yeah so 
my parents were like, she's coming to town and doing a concert. Oh, no. At this retirement oh, no. village <laughs> thing. Oh, no. In it's just getting worse. <laughs> in Arizona. It's that we have a lot of winter visitors. So yes. it's great weather during the winter time. People want to get away from the snow. They come here. So there's lots of these places where they just have retirees go and hang out and do their thing for whatever, however they want to do and make friends. And there's this one where it's one of the really big ones in the area. And she was doing a concert at this location. And so my parents are like, we're going. I'm like, what? I'm going to? I don't even know who this woman <laughs> is. And so we go and I watch, like, I watch the show and she has this whole section where it has like different parts of her on TV and everything. And then um, like a montage and she does her little coochie coochie thing. And, but then she also has a segment where she plays her classical guitar. Granted, she only does like one or two songs of her classical guitar. And most of it is like in the coochie coochie form because <laughs> most people know her for that. But she yeah. mentioned, she's like, you know what? I was living in poor circumstances in Spain and I moved to the U S to be something better. And I thought, you know what? If coochie coochie gets me there, I am not above that. And that's what she did. So that is the, good for her. That is good for <laughs> her. Yeah. But it's just so funny because hardly anybody knows who Charo is. And I was actually, when I was in Nashville, I was talking to a friend of mine and he also enjoys um, animated movies as well. And he's like, oh, look, it's Thumbelina. I remember it's got Charo in there. <laughs> and I'm like, I went to her concert. And he's like, what the heck? <laughs> he's like, my age, you know? Yeah. And so he's just like, what? How do you go to her concert? <laughs> oh, I, I've been to a lot of concerts of the same. Of you're, you're losing your youth points, Chelsea. <laughs> <I know. laughs> it was just really funny, though. So, yes, Charo. So, Charo. Mm. <laughs> I think she is the worst part of this film. So yeah. the film, they talk about it. This is France and whatnot. And and so it's definitely a fr- set in France. And so I think to kind of differentiate, and again, there's no interviews talking about this, <laughs> but I think to make the toads a little different, they made them Spaniards, yeah. you know, because they all have the Spanish accent and they're a little different than, hey, let's hire Charo, you know, to right. be the lead. So I, I say this a lot recently, and it's like, oh, tonally, it's all over the place. You got serious moments, and then you got like these crazy things for the kids or just whatnot. And and I feel like if the movie was good, I would never bring that up. So it's more of results oriented thinking. Yeah, you know, like okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna criticize this because it's bad, and just because the results are bad. But it, does that make any sense? Anyways, yeah, no. But if it was a good movie, I would never bring it up. <laughs> right. But it's not a good movie. You're trying to find the reasons why. Maybe and it wasn't a good movie. It's the toads, the beetle, and kind of the mole. The mole's like a little more serious, but it's just so different and over the top and weird that it doesn't really match the fairy Thumbelina elements from the beginning, which are kind of like very romantic and whimsical and fun. And I kind of said this with Anastasia in our Roto rewatch that we recently had done that instead of going kooky and crazy with Rasputin, they should have just made him scary terrifying and evil and i don't know i i feel that just because yes you need to have her steal the sun because that's part of the story but like i don't know make it scary or just why <laughs> like why do we have to goof it up with this song and the coochie coochie like well because i'm over it the, the the book itself is only 15 minutes long to read so you gotta <laughs> throw in something so they had to, they were like okay who's a spaniard we could get and of don blue's era 
he knows Charo. <laughs> so he gets Charo. It just doesn't work for me. It doesn't. I don't think it works either. I think the song itself is kind of a little too fast. Like you don't really. It's it's just a, a different type of song. And the same thing with the Beatle. It's more of this like. It's just a lot going on. Big band sort yeah, of. Yeah. When I, when I think of this song, I don't think of a song that I can sing. And I, I think of this song as like there's so much going on and just kind of a cluster of things happening. And, and as a kid, you don't really, like there's not a specific uh-huh. line of approach yeah. that they took with it. And I think that was one of the main reasons. But in Aladdin, they have these big numbers that are totally yeah. different. But I think they're maybe because it's a genie that's typically doing those, friend like me, um, Prince Ali, they don't necessarily have to be grounded in reality but again those songs just work because they're moving the plot along this song a lot of the songs in here don't really move the plot along Mm, this one i don't think does it's just like sing a song yeah because we're singers and that's what we do we're gonna make you a star okay anyway (laughs) let's move on i don't want to talk about these guys and you know so we have grundle who's the son and i just think he's stupid yeah sorry and he keeps coming back yeah he's like he's one of the main pushers of the story of like yeah i gotta find her i gotta find her brings in the beetle again i'm like yeah get rid of the beetle and in the original it's like once they move once she moves on she basically moves on and it's but i guess they needed to tie these hey spending money on these people they need to tie them together um yeah because eventually when he's working with the beetle it really doesn't make sense why they're working together he's kind of blackmailing because he has his wings but it's just like hmm Mm-hmm. I don't know. There could have been a different way. But then all of her suitors, more or less, do end up in the same place at the end. You know, bringing them all back. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about the the Beatle. Uh, Gilbert Gottfried. I, I don't really like it. No. <laughs> I don't. I think his voice does great as Iago. And he's, he, has are, a, he has a good... He does a good job in a lot of things that he does, but I just don't feel like this one he did a good job. He has such a very specific voice that I feel you can't overuse it. Yeah. And having him just have been in Aladdin and be a really big part of Aladdin, or at least very recognizable from Aladdin, I'm okay with having a character that's really over the top and crazy, but I just didn't love him in this. I just didn't like the character either. And every time that he brought... Every time that they brought the Beatle back into the story, mm-hmm. my I like this movie points just dropped. <laughs> like there were several times, you know, as you're going through the pacing of this movie, I felt was pretty even mm-hmm. in a lot of the points. So at the very beginning, I felt like you did really well with the follow your heart song. You, yeah, yeah. You with Giacomo. Your heart. Yeah, Giacomo. And Giacomo is, you know, the sparrow. Yeah. The bird is in the original. Uh-huh. Um, you know, because there's that part where she uh she meets him and they have interactions but then later he's the dead bird in the cave yeah or basically in the mole's hole um so i like that they brought him back but yeah and i like shakamo yeah so do i i i like his voice too he's mm-hmm. uh, hey <laughs> <laughs> i just i like it but there's certain parts where i just felt like okay i feel like i'm getting back into the oh i but then mm-hmm. the part where everyone's like telling her that she's ugly like that part just kind of rubbed me really wrong it really like, does but that's part of the book it which is, is part crazy of the book. yeah and i don't like that is what it is but it, it's like it's still it's just, really jarring it really is and you're just like i don't like this at all and anytime that you come back into the story just makes me not want to uh-huh. be watching you yeah and 
that's really how my like level of this movie went. It's like anytime he was in there, it was like, no, going down. And then he leaves oh, a little bit. Bring in the prince. Oh, yeah. Bring yeah. it back up. <laughs> <laughs> bring it back in. Oh, yeah, you're good. So, yeah, there's these other characters like Mr. Bull, Mrs. Fieldmouse. I don't really want to drone on about them. But let's talk about the king and queen of the fairies, King Colbert. And Queen Tabitha. And the whole time I kept hearing her voice. I'm like, I know who that is. Who is that? Mm-hmm. And then looking at this list, I saw ah, June Foray, yeah. who is an animation legend. She's voiced so many things. I'm like, yes, that's who she is. Which I'm very, very sad she recently died. I know. But they're doing like a whole like, like special on her mm-hmm. life and everything that she's done. Because she was, like, like Morgan said, an animation legend. She's like in so everything. much. Yeah, so much. And then Kenneth Mars, who played the king, was also King Triton. So I was like, you're really trying to pull that whole Ariel thing in here. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah. Again, really it's like... With the Little Mermaid. I mean, this movie has no real ties to the Little Mermaid. It's more like a little bit of Aurora, where kind of Aurora, Aurora is trapped into this, yeah. you know, in her little own world, and then a man comes, and she's kind of swept, taken off her feet, and... Um, I mean, except for she had been trained much better to run away from the strangers. Right. <laughs> uh, eventually gives on in. And then I did see a lot of Snow White in Thumbelina, especially there were moments when she went, ah, yeah. and just like puts her hands next to her face. And I'm like, do you just like straight up steal that, <laughs> that scene or that pose from her? Because it looks pretty close, but you know, where Snow White is mo- typically more of this naive, innocent sort yeah. of princess. So but let's jump into the music because let's do this. Chelsea, it's not an animated film if it doesn't contain music, <laughs> which isn't totally true, but it is <laughs> a lot. If it does contain music, then that's what we're focusing on. <laughs> um, so I'm just going to sit back right here and let Chelsea talk for the next 20 minutes. Oh, just kidding. Great. <laughs> so Don had actually gone in and asked Barry Manilow to come in and, and do all of the songs for three of his movies. Thumbelina was the first, followed by Pebble and the Penguin, and then the third ended up being canceled. So this film soundtrack was released for a limited time, and but is now out of print. And I was just like, oh, dang it. <laughs> Why can't they put that on? Well, the old YouTube. Put it on Spotify. <laughs> but... You know, you have Mary the Mole, which won a Razzie for worst original song. I (laughs) and I would put my vote on that too. I mean, Mary uh, the Mole. I felt very depressed during that song. It's like Dawn. Where? How did we get here? (laughs) How did we get here? Could could we not have reigned? Were the financiers really that bad that they said we need a? She needs a song. I don't, yeah, yeah, I guess. Like, <laughs> we just need to fill it in, maybe. But Barry wrote it. And the thing is, I really like a lot of the songs in this film. And even a lot of... Some stick in your head. They do. Quite a bit. So um, the first one is the intro song with Giacomo, where he comes in, If You Follow Your Heart. It has a good vibe. It does have a good vibe. I like that. And then everyone knows, Thumbelina. Da, 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 da. That's all you know. <laughs> <laughs> After that, you have Soon. I really did not want... I really did not like that song as well. I mm-hmm. mean, it was very forgettable. Yes. And then when they reprised it with Thumbelina's mother, once again, even more forgettable. <laughs> like, I was just like, they should yeah. just cut that whole thing out. I mean, I understand why they did it, because they have to have your I Want song in there. And um, But there's one point in time where they're like showing the, the books 
of, oh, yeah. of the fairy All prince and whatever. It's like, oh, that's the fairy prince. And she's like, I love him already. You know, just going after. And he's. it shows this picture of a house in like a hollowed out mushroom. And I'm like, call me high maintenance, but I would really want to live in something more than a hollowed out mushroom. But then again, that's coming from her who's in a walnut case. So, hey, <laughs> she's still moving up. So Let Me Be Your Wings is the next one where Cornelius comes in. It's the I Wonder song. I say like (laughs) and I really like this one yeah I think it's catchy it's great it's still stuck in my head after having watched this earlier and you know some may interpret this as being reliant on a guy but it's totally not she literally doesn't have wings and he's saying and she wants to fly she wants to kind of go to these new heights and he he's there and he says I can help you I'm willing just trust me and trust in In me me. no no no. but you know like i (laughs) i will bring you up i will bring you you to these new i will bring you to these new levels yeah it's so cute plus it's just it's just yeah it's like that but slightly different yeah but it's good it is good i like it and the more they sing it the more i'm into it yeah one of the voicemails talked about how she grew up watching this movie but she really doesn't like the middle it's just the beginning and the end and i totally agree (laughs) it's like anytime it's just fairies and romance i'm in <laughs> i'm in everything else is like in and in okay Ooh, fairies are back Ooh, marriage yeah once every time you bring cornelius exactly. into the picture you're like oh i'm back in <laughs> i'm back <Yep. laughs> oh man oh what was weird is like right after that then that's when the frog comes in and he's like i love her but she's like dancing with another guy <laughs> dude what a yeah this is this is really going against the bro code man indeed Indeed. We talked a little bit about On the Road from Mrs. Toad. Um, and it's like, meh, we know Charo. Thanks. Um, but then it brings back with Giacomo. If you follow your heart. Uh-huh. Which, once again, we like Giacomo. He's great. And then it goes into the beauty, like, you're beautiful, baby. With the Beatles. Your favorite. <laughs> and, Yeah. And I'm like, at this point in time, I'm like, this movie is really making me weary of guys in general. <laughs> I'm like, all of these guys are so are such creepers. They, yeah, these I, ones, yes. I do like her outfit though. Yeah, when she was the dressed beetle. up as a beetle, I like that. And so I can see why they're all like, oh, she's so great. I love look at that. <laughs> look at her scales. Look at the whole her wings. They're so beautiful. And then she goes down to her little red and black little onesie bloomers. Like, <laughs> it was so funny. I'm like, but actually, that's a cute outfit too. <laughs> yeah. Well, they were like, she's so scrawny, and I'm like, her legs are so scrawny. I'm like, look at her leg compared to your leg. Yeah. It's yeah. three times the size. Okay. Yeah. You're the one with the scrawny legs, Mister. Yeah. But as I said, it's like everyone telling her that she's ugly really takes it away. Like you just don't want these. Like it's cringeworthy it is indeed and i think that's one of those that's a moment where i really start to feel uh, and especially going into the soon reprise i was like i'm really actually bored right now and i can i prepare to fast forward fast forward uh-huh. please and then you go into the field mouse and my favorite thing about her is when she's like she really serves up a healthy batch of guilt when she's like I saved your life this very day, and you'd rather not? <laughs> and she's like, I guess, fine. Jeez. But Mary the Mole. Ugh. Pass. Next. Dearie. Mary the Mole. That is one of those songs that I think that I'll, like, remember from here on out. 
just when you're thinking about settling for anything in life it's like you just think of the it's song. It's true. It, it really is a song about settling and just ignore it. You know, you don't need you don't need love. Just you don't need. It's to a be- great match. He has money. Right. He has it all, but he really doesn't. Yeah. So anyway, I actually do like the song in that way, just because it's like I think she does a funny way of singing it. Yeah. And it's also the whole idea of like, wow, I really need to, like sing this anytime I see anybody else <laughs> being like I guess no it's fine I'm being practical yeah <laughs> like go ahead and marry them all go ahead yeah yeah <laughs> come yeah. on dream big but at that time when she's about to marry them all yeah she hears his voice Cornelius and you're like oh wait I'm back I'm coming oh, back <laughs> I love this part this is the best movie ever <laughs> it's so funny it's true I know they said people who were in charge of finance the films always wanted them to simplify but I think actually a better way to make this movie that simplified it would have been to remove the beetle and the toads and just have the the mole be there from like the very beginning Mm -hmm. and have her you know have him introduced the very beginning you know maybe she doesn't stay with him eventually she's in his quarters and kind of finally gives in See, and, I think you would have been fine to keep those other characters. Just tone them down a bit. Yeah. I don't know. The, it, the whole middle is rough. It is. Except for the Cornelius scenes. <laughs> <laughs> Anything with Cornelius, we're good. <laughs> Let me be your wing. <laughs> but yeah, like you're saying, you know, she's walking down the aisle. She hears these songs. You know, she's finally given in. I'm just going to marry the guy. But then the very end, which, hello, how thirsty are they? She's not even done walking down the aisle, and the pastor's already, like, giving the mole his right. vows. <laughs> like, hello, let me let me catch up and stand for, so I can be a part of this. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, by the time she finally gets there, it's like, all right, it's your turn. Do you marry him? Oh, my gosh. But wait, can we go back to in her, mar- I'm marrying the mole dress and her hair? Oh, yes. I, I don't understand. It made her look like a beetle or some sort of bug. I don't know. Bug, that was weird. He's not one of those. He's a mole, so... Yeah. They just really, like, let's do something fun with their hair. Yeah. <laughs> like, what is this? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, this is the part where we were like, oh, yeah, nobody ever actually sees the fairy prince come yes. in and save the day. Yeah. And she just doesn't even know that he's alive even right now. <laughs> yeah. And yet she's still going There's in. There's a big opportunity for her to see him and really have that realization and then see him save the day and fight for her against all these other people who had really taken advantage of her. Yeah. And I think at the very beginning, I was not a fan of Cornelius just because I felt like he just came on really strong, yeah, really he, fast. Like, uh-huh. Hey honey, we're into the third course. Like <laughs> yep. let's finish this up. And I was just like, I'm not a fan of that. Why are you do- stop? Stop yeah. being so forceful like that. And then, but you see him throughout the whole film really gain the audience's trust and so you like him still even though you don't understand why she's still like why she was all gung-ho for him other than he's good looking and nicer than everybody else you know and it's the original dream um first guy to first guy to come around ever right (laughs) and so you see that but as the audience you see him actually really fight really as you said swashbuckling throws a sword around and and you do come to really appreciate him and and really like Cornelius like you're like yeah I'm totally going for this guy (laughs) so Giacomo Thumbelina Cornelius let me be your wings reprise we finish with that 
And then the R&B version of Barry Manilow and Deborah Bird. Which I never heard because as soon as this was over, I exited out of my browser and I was done with that rental. (laughs) Which I need to because we were talking about in our Hunchback episode, someone mentioned that, oh, you forgot talking about like the worst song, which... I was like, oh, yeah, I actually, they said it was the worst song, but I actually like that song. Someday when I am older. I like that song a lot, but we didn't get to talk about it. Anyway, so before we rate it, let's go in and we asked Roto Nation, which are members of our patron-only Facebook group, we asked them a question. How does Cornelius stack up to other animated leading men? Here are the responses. Jack Song says, like me, needs a fashion advisor. <laughs> Chloe Westenhaver says the hair and the tights are questionable laughing emoji it's been so long since I've seen this so I have to watch so I had to watch a clip to remind myself he's rather forward at the beginning barging in cutting up her book and immediately trying to kiss her (laughs) yes I noticed that too I'm like oh no respect for property right it made a great he is the prince it did make a great little entrance but it's like oh hello there (laughs) man most people are not liking his his outfit jennifer says eh, i think he comes up a little short rachel wagner says he actually has a character arc in the film he just has to make some choices and isn't there for the girl <laughs> exactly, that's what i'm saying like yeah. he's never around and alex pilgrim says his hair may be awful but he gets points for trying <laughs> i mean it doesn't that sum this movie up it like really it looks kind of awful it's not the fanciest animation but it's not bad but they do get points for trying right i do to give them that as far as rating it for me, I actually don't hate this film. And as you mentioned earlier, the idea of going back and watching this, because one time you and I tried to watch this back in like 2000 and like six. Uh-huh. And we were this because I felt like there was one scene or something that like had it just it like totally resurfaced itself. I don't Chelsea know. Chelsea had this belief that there was they just reused a whole section of animation during the <laughs> let me be your wings. I thought they did. I don't think we ever found it. We didn't, and that was the yeah, thing. But so that's why I like, wanted to watch it. For whatever reason, my we've had there was one movie out there. There's some, some movie, some movie and out I, there. I that, believe it. <laughs> that totally just redoes the whole thing. Like what the heck? <laughs> my brother and I were always like, no, it totally just redid it. <laughs> but anyway, so I made Morgan watch this back in 2006. I was like, we're gonna find this, I swear, and it didn't. But I just remember both of us being so bored through the middle and just not really liking it. Uh-huh. And so that memory came and I was like, I'm not really looking forward to watching this movie again. But I actually didn't hate it like I thought I would. Yes, I had very low expectations. And I also don't believe that this was a perfect film by any means. But it was definitely adequate. And I feel like getting rid of the Beatle or at least lowering him down would help it. All in all, I would give it three stars. Likewise, I'm going to give it three stars. Two and a half for me is just really... I. I can't really have too many positive feelings about this Mm -hmm. film, but I feel like the beginning and the end and the character of Thumbelina and Cornelius really do it for me. And I like Thumbelina for what she is and the type of of woman that she is. And I really like Cornelius for as forward. (laughs) He's like the complete opposite of her. Yeah. Right. And they totally work together and he's apparently not interested in any of the other matches yeah, the parents have for him. So, hey, that very fortuitously worked out for both of them. He's a good little guy that tries to save the day. Animation is really not the best. Just looking at it, I felt that we were kind of off model at times. It felt very rotoscoped at times. But 
some songs are good some are bad some characters are good some are bad some animation is good some are bad so there we go i'm gonna give it just a good solid three stars to tip it more on the positive than the negative side looking at rotten tomatoes there have only been eight critics who have given it any type of a review <laughs> and six have given it rotten two have given it fresh which gives it about a 25 percent rating but you look at how the audience scores it and over almost sixty thousand user ratings and they're putting it up just about where we put it about 67 mm-hmm. percent so that's around about 60 you know yeah, we're about at 60%. They're about a 70-ish. So yeah. Slightly like it more than us, but it's, it's in the ballpark. If I had to rewatch this again, I wouldn't be as opposed to it. Let's yeah. just put it that way. Yeah. I, I might just skip the middle section. <laughs> just make sure. I just that need you, more fairy princes just, in my life. <laughs> just say, okay, this is my bathroom break part. Yeah. <laughs> like, all right, I'll be back. <laughs> okay, we did mention a bit of the voicemails. Let's go in and actually listen to them. Hi, Rotoscopers. This is Bethany, and this is my first time calling in. I love your guys' podcast, and I had to call in when you said you were doing Thumbelina. That was one of the few movies that I owned growing up as a kid that wasn't a Disney movie. I believe my aunt got it for me for Christmas or something. Uh, All the songs in that movie are totally still in my head, and I'm 31 years old. Uh, But I always remember, like, really liking the beginning and really liking the end and having – to really focus and really try to get through the middle. It's not a great movie. The songs are really fun. And my brother and I used to always sing, Thumbelina, she's a funny little squirt, all the time. Super annoying. But yeah, that's the memory I have with this movie. Uh, Probably more of like a two and a half to three stars. But hey, she had an awesome ponytail. So what could you say? Bye. Good day to you, rotoscopers. This is Danny here, and while I normally tend to speak positively about the films you discuss, today will be my very first truly negative one. I mean, no disrespect towards Don Bluth, but I hated Thumbelina. When I think of a really bad and annoying and an overly sugary animated movie, this is one that comes to mind. I despise that main character of Thumbelina on so many levels. One critic I heard once described her as a feminist's worst nightmare, and I fully agree with that statement. Not only that, I hate how dense Giacomo the Swallow is for never considering to give Thumbelina a ride on his back and take her back home. At least in the original fairy tale, she doesn't meet the swallow until the last third of the story. I also can't stand how useless the heroes are, how annoying and useless the villains are, I don't care for the songs, and I really can't stand the annoyingly bouncy, cute, and ultimately shallow, romantic tone this film has. Here's hoping you never have to revisit this film, and I would recommend watching something great like Shrek instead. Hi, Rotoscopers. It's Rachel, and I saw that you're going to be reviewing Thumbelina, and I thought I would call in a positive review because you probably won't have many. Uh, I know it gets a lot of hate out there, and it deserves uh, most of it. It's not a great movie, but I can watch it and enjoy it. I think that it has some really nice little songs. I, I think Mary the Mole is a bad song, but the rest of the songs I think are, are sweet. And I think it's nice that you see a full 
journey of the character from the, her, you know, her birth, I guess, to, to, uh, her, uh, becoming a, a, an adult, I guess. And I, I just love Jody Benson's vocals so much. And I think that there's some really pretty songs and some pretty vocal work from her and overall I can watch it and enjoy it. So not perfect, but oh, well. Uh, so anyway, that's my thoughts on Thumbelina and it does have some nice animation too, uh, thrown in there. So I don't think it's a total loss. Like so many do. There you go. Take you far beyond the stars. Let me be your wings. All right, guys, thank you so much for joining us for this episode of the Animation Addicts Podcast. If you would like to check out the show notes and all the links, go to rotoscopers.com slash 155. That's also where you can go to leave us your thoughts, opinions. Also, give us your top five B and C list villains <laughs> and heroes. Uh, we will include that full list, which you can choose from. That'll be really fun. And then give us your review of this film and what you think about it. If you're on Twitter, give us a tweet, hashtag animatics and hashtag animatics 155. And our next up, our film. That, and next up, we are going to be reviewing The Sword and the Stone. That is Ooh. another patron pick. This time it's by Chloe. So get ready for that. We do actually have a new feature on the website at the very bottom. We have a new and improved calendar, which links to our Google calendar where we kind of track things. So you can see the, I've included the calendar for patron exclusive stuff and then for just the regular show. So you can kind of see when those will be released. We have Twia, which drops every week. We have the Roto Rewatch, which drops at the beginning of each month. And then the Animation Addicts podcast, which comes every two weeks on Friday. So you can also see what future movies we're going to do as they come. We're definitely going to include them more and more. If you'd like to leave a voicemail, go to rotoscopers.com slash voicemails or give us a call 406-646-6575. You can also support the show. Like we mentioned, Patreon, rotoscopers.com slash Patreon. You can start your shopping at amazon.com with rotoscopers.com slash Amazon or rotoscopers.com slash Amazon CA. Or if you're in a different country, go to rotoscopers.com slash support for your specific Amazon link. We really, really appreciate it. And then if you'd like to listen to some of these Hans Christian Andersen fairy tales, you can do that on Audible. You get a free Audible credit if you use our link, rotoscopers.com slash Audible. So there you go. And also, I've not mentioned this in a while. We still have about 10 or so t-shirts they are probably sizes extra small and then you know extra large but there might be a few in between but i'm really trying to get rid of that inventory (laughs) they are one dollar yes that's right one dollar plus shipping we don't make any money on the shipping is really just to cover the cost but thank you guys so much who have purchased the shirts but once these are gone they are gone for good so if you've always wanted one definitely pick one up awesome make sure to follow us on our individual locations you can go to morgan straddling on twitter instagram and all other social media outlets we also have chelsea robson on twitter website instagram and all things else as well once again thank you so much for joining us until next time we are the rotoscopers so there we go we're wrapping this up we're putting tulip flowers over it (laughs) and it's going to wither wither and die what (laughs) 